This is Austin Pace with BYU-Idaho Radio, and I'm joined today in the studio with Kevin Cooper, a BYU-Idaho faculty member in the Nutrition Department. Brother Cooper is also an active member of the United States military in the Army Reserve. Thank you so much for joining me, and thank you for your service. Welcome. All right, so tell me a little bit about you and your family. Okay. Uh, I originally come from Northern California, born and raised. We moved to Sacramento area when I was a teenager, and that's where I, I... Found my wife after my mission. I grew up with seven brothers and sisters. I'm kind of the oldest, and as that goes, a lot of expectations on my head there as far as the oldest uh, boy, oldest son. First to serve a mission in my family, and uh, I have three younger brothers, two of which served missions, so that was that was a pretty amazing experience. Growing up, my, my brothers and sisters and I, my parents are very musical, so we were involved in a lot of musical performances, talent shows, choir, all that stuff. Uh, did a lot of singing. Joined choir when I was in high school as in the church and in, in high school as well as played sports. So I kind of had a wide range of different hobbies and things that I was into. Rode motorcycles, did a lot of those kind of things. Wanted to join the military, specifically the Navy, ever since I was a younger kid. Uh, my, my uncle was a Navy pilot. My dad was in the uh, National Guard during Vietnam era. So I had that drive and just kind of that passion to serve my country in that way. But luckily, through good parenting and then some other family that friends had helped, I was able to get on my mission and served in Helsinki, Finland, which I loved. Great place to be. Looks a lot like Rexburg right now this time <laughs> of year, to be honest. Yeah, very hard language, but beautiful language. And just had a great, amazing mission, met amazing people. Came back. Met my wife pretty quickly at a young single adult activity where uh, she just happened to be. And we got engaged pretty quickly, I guess, by standards. <laughs> Six days later, I, I proposed to her. And wow. She uh, obviously was pretty surprised by that, but said yes. <laughs> and she had a missionary that she had, was waiting for out on a mission. And I, I really didn't didn't care. I just kept <laughs> going and, and pursuing that. And um, it's interesting because my patriarchal blessing actually says— specifically that I will know my eternal companion when I see her, and it'll be obvious to me that we're meant for each other. Uh, and I, I, I'm not 100% sure if, if that's really what happened or not, but I, I believe firmly when you have two people with a, at least a spark and uh, strong testimonies in the gospel, you can make it work no matter what. And uh, we've been married now 25 years this past August, six children, three boys, three girls, no fights or arguments, really, our entire marriage, which most people don't believe, but it is it is true. <laughs> uh, and um, my oldest is doing well. She's she's going to the University of Utah. We'll forgive her for that for now. <laughs> uh, starting out in nursing and pre-med, and, and now she wants to become a lawyer and go into JAG in the military. So we'll see how that goes. And my, uh, my son is on his mission right now in Wichita, Kansas. He's been out about a year. He's, he's doing great things, loves it. Uh, really enjoying his mission. And then my other daughter just did her first semester here at BYU-Idaho. She took one of my classes, which was pretty fun. Then I have three younger ones, and my youngest is uh, is six. So we have from 23 to six years old. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. My parents, they were also engaged super fast. They dated for about two weeks, and then they were engaged. So I think, I think when you know, you know, just like you said. Yeah. So you are a nutrition teacher here at BYU-Idaho, yes? And so what made you choose clinical nutrition as a career path? That's an interesting question. <laughs> so uh, after my mission and, and 
as I was saying, in line with my patriarchal blessing, it also talks about how I will help people learn health and fitness and have kind of a natural just a tendency to help people in that regard. And, and I could see that early on throughout my life, uh, even growing up playing football, rugby, and other sports. Whenever I was in the gym or just doing things, people would always ask me for advice or questions. And, and I just kind of idolized a little bit of, uh, of Arnold at the time growing up and did a lot of his, his techniques and methods. And so it, it just kind of was something I gravitated to in the, in the fitness performance world with health and nutrition and all that put together. And originally I wanted to go into kinesiology, become a sports strength tra- trainer, maybe for an NBA team or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I got into my undergrad after getting back from my mission and kind of learning about credentials and pretty important to have credentials in the medical field or any in that realm. And just, I don't know. I fell in love with nutrition, found out about uh, dietetics and, and thought, you know, this would be a great way to go get those credentials. I could still do strength coach or personal training at a high, high level, work on my graduate degree and kind of go that route. And that's kind of what happened. Um, I just decided that nutrition was an easier, better route and more employable kind of more in line with what I wanted to accomplish and some of the goals I had long-term, which was to work with maternal and child nutrition. Mm-hmm. I figured in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, there would always be pregnant moms with with uh, with kids and, and, and a lot of need there. So I was able to get my clinical nutrition degree from UC Davis in California and then uh, follow that up with my master's degree in maternal and child nutrition and became a dietitian shortly thereafter and uh, started working in the hospital and, and kind of the clinical setting, worked in the dialysis world for a little bit, which I loved. And then I started teaching as an adjunct. One of my friends who was another dietitian, she she was doing that and she kind of told me about it. I thought, wow, what an amazing idea. Instead of working with one patient or person one at a time, maybe helping a few hundred or thousand people over my career, I could teach hundreds of people in a, in a really short amount of time and have a bigger impact. And so I kind of loved it. Really felt like it was a great, great way to s- supplement my my life and career. What was happening, and just started teaching more and more. But back in California, I was actually teaching at several different colleges, university and community college level in the nutrition world, and I I kind of started doing that all, all altogether full time, to where I was an adjunct instructor or teacher, but I was still doing it full time. And um, a friend of mine who's in the army with me, he, he actually teaches here on campus in the nursing department, Colonel Sanders, Colonel or uh, brother Rodney Sanders, mm-hmm. he gives me a call, kind of a heads up, hey, there's a, a full-time faculty position coming open here in, in at BYU. You should apply. Get on it. Get on it. It's like, yeah, that's that'd be great. That'd be awesome. And so I went to my wife, and I was like, hey, guess what uh, Rod told me about? There's a full-time position. And I've been trying to get a full-time position in California. One of the reasons why I started my PhD in the first place was so that I could be more competitive and get into the full-time tenured professor faculty world, which is pretty competitive and hard to get into without the PhD. But I told my wife and she was really apprehensive. She was working full-time in California at Wells Fargo Bank. And Mm -hmm. we had a lot of family, friends. We're just established there. We've really been there for a while. And she was kind of worried, like, well, what if you get the job? I mean, that would mean we'd have to move to Rexburg, no friends other than just maybe a couple here and there, no family, cold, completely different environment. Where would we live? And so all these questions came up, and we went to the temple and prayed about it, of course, and 
and kind of got the answer. And then as it went along, especially through the interview process, just one thing after another, you could clearly tell the Lord's hand was directing us to come here. And I mean, it was so obvious sometimes the signs that was just, yep, we were supposed to be here. We got to do this. And, and everything just fell into place. And it was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the faculty here, which is, is pretty, pretty small. There's only four of us full-time faculty, and then we have a bunch of adjuncts, but we're all dietitians, which is unique. You don't usually see that at most universities. In fact, most of the places I taught at before coming here, I was the only dietitian. They, you know, they're PhDs, they're smart, they, they have a lot of wealth of knowledge of the subject. They may not have any real job experience, which, which we all come here with a bunch of different job experiences. Mm-hmm. So that kind of taught me two things. First, your friends and your networking always pays off, especially when you're trying to find a job. Right. And the Lord's hand will direct your life if you let it. Like the President Nelson said, let God prevail. And he led us here. And uh, we love it. I haven't looked mm-hmm. back since. Wow. Yeah, sounds like a like a crazy, crazy journey yeah. to, to being here. That's awesome. And you're happy oh. with your decision being oh, here. Oh, we love it. Well, I mean, the only thing that would ever maybe take us away from here would be to go work for the church in another capacity, either— mm-hmm. In Provo or, or at Salt Lake, something like that. But otherwise, we plan to stay here for as long as the Lord wants us to be here. We love it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Thank you. So I'm sure you're in your in your military service, you've come across many people with many different religious backgrounds and standards. Mm-hmm. So how are you, because you've been talking a lot about the church and how the Lord has a huge part and hand in your life. So how are you able to represent the church and its standards in what seems to be like a melting pot of beliefs? Great question. It is really challenging. Um, As long as you stick to your standards, and one of the things that I've always done in my military career or any job that I've been in, in fact, kind of a funny side note, one of the schools I taught at back in California is considered to be one of the top liberal schools in in the country. And... I didn't really know that at the time, and no one ever disrespected me or in any way did I feel different or, or kind of ostracized because of my beliefs and, and conservative uh, stance. But I will say that when it comes to the church and religion, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that you just you got to make your standards and, and expectations known right off the bat. Let people know who you are. You're a member of the church. Don't hide it or try to be shy from that. And then you'd be amazed of how quickly people will respect that. And and that happened a lot in the military. In fact, just last year, I was gone for an entire year on a deployment to the Middle East. Um, our main base of operations was Kuwait, but we were in charge of all of the CENTCOM or Central Command, Middle Eastern countries and the missions, the medical missions going on there. And there's not a whole lot of Christ over there. I mean, other than on base where we had little chapels and little get-togethers with other Latter-day Saints and other religions here and there, you don't see a whole lot of Christ because it's a primarily Muslim country. And I even got to go visit a mosque and a couple other interesting places. And one thing, though, that that I think President Nelson and and many of the prophets have tried to help us understand as Latter-day Saints and good quality missionary work is you never treat anyone differently, you know, even if you you have these weird ideas and notions that they're extremist Islam or, or whatever, you treat them the same with kindness and love and respect for their religious beliefs. And then they usually do for ours as well. Uh, un- undoubtedly, there were people there probably in the Middle East that wanted to kill us because we were Americans, because we were Christians. 
but you still don't change the way you treat others. And I feel like all of my military experiences, positions, places I've been all over the world, that's usually what works best. Right. Quickly establish who you are. You're a member of the church. You're a Christian. And then treat everyone else with respect and dignity for their beliefs. Mm-hmm. And it's usually been shared both ways from right. what I've seen. For sure. You would say that, I guess, your time in the military has strengthened your relationship and belief in Christ? Oh, yeah. And course. what have you done during your time deployed in different places to keep your testimony firm? <laughs> that's that's a great question. One of the challenging parts of being in the military is when you get shipped off or sent to on deployments or even where you get stationed somewhere in the other side of the world, whether you can bring your family or not, and you just never know what you're going to get. In fact, in Kuwait, we one of our subordinate units was a hospital, an active duty hospital unit out of Colorado, and a good friend of mine who went to BYU Provo and played basketball there, he was there as one of their physical therapists, six foot nine, a really fun guy to be around when and uh, we played basketball there, and we won a couple tournaments together. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he, he, he was really struggling, too. And, and, and one of the things that you can just kind of quickly see is it's tough being a Latter-day Saint. It's hard being a Christian no matter what, wherever mm-hmm. you go, other than those really strong Christian countries. But still, even there, you're an American, you're Christian, you're not really like they are. Um, but to be a Latter-day Saint, it's really tough. You're, you're, you're very— Minor, you're in the minority almost everywhere you go. For example, in Kuwait, um, we had a small chapel on base. It was just a tent, basically. You can see one of those pictures I gave you. But uh, we would meet in this tent. All the other religions would meet there, even some of the Nordic or religions that weren't exactly Christian. And you just made the best of it. There was maybe five, ten of us, average per week. You pull strength from each other. Uh, as best you can. But one of the things that we teach our soldiers, especially when there is no chapel or there is no small group to to have sacrament meeting with on Sundays or anything like that is have your scriptures with you. Try to bring like an actual Book of Mormon, a Bible if you can, but, but have your scriptures with you. Get into the habit of praying daily, reading your scriptures no matter what, and staying close to the Lord because you may not have the opportunity to go to a service. You may not take the sacrament for knows how long. You may not hear a hymn for who knows how long, uh, but as long as you have those key things, uh, like Brother Ray actually talked about today in devotional, study your scriptures, have daily personal prayer, uh, stay close to the Lord, you'll be able to keep your testimony strong. Even if times are tough and maybe you make some mistakes or even fall short on in your obedience, as long as you're doing those key things, your testimony can stay strong. Yeah, it seems like that's what... What Brother Brother Ray talked about today, those those five simple steps, I guess you might not be able to go to a temple, right, or attend those meetings, but it seems like reading your scriptures, daily prayer, those are all just linked to how we can always keep our testimonies firm in any situation. It seems like they're all super important things that we must be doing every day so that, you know, when the devil does throw whatever he does at us, we can be ready to to combat that. Right. And in any situation, that's always just such a great principle to have and to learn. And I, I found that just through my own personal experiences that if I'm doing those those simple things like prayer, scripture study, all that, that things do end up turning out the way that they should. And I do end up coming closer to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and, you know, to his restored gospel. And I'm sure, you know, I haven't had the same experiences as you have. It's completely different. But 
those principles are still the same. We've got to be praying. We've got to be reading our scriptures, you know? So now as you work at BYU-Idaho, how have you been able to apply what you've learned in the military as well as in the gospel to teach your students? The military brings a lot of interesting perspectives, um, leadership training techniques, how to speak to people. And, and of course, as a teacher, you have to be confident and comfortable to get up in front of a lot of people and not lose your train of thought and, and all these things. One, one, one of the, one of the ways I would say the military has helped me be a better teacher at BYU-Idaho is perspective, first and foremost. And I try to help the students understand that, you, first of all, you can be in the military and a very active and righteous member of the church. And I always reach out to all my students every semester and say, hey, if you're interested in the military or service of any kind, please let me know and I'll try to hook you up with the right people or network you here at our ROTC or or find some some way to link you up with with where you want to go and be. Uh, so that's one way. The other thing I was the other perspective part of that is when you get outside of this bubble we live in, whether it's Rexburg, whether it's Idaho, whether it's even America, and a lot of missionaries fortunately do get to have that same kind of experience to a certain degree. You, you, your eyes get open to what's what's the world's really like and how blessed we have it here, what kind of privileges we have here. So the military and missionary service, I think, are great opportunities to have your eyes open, your perspective changed. Uh, and, and whenever you have that kind of gratitude, it helps, I think, understand the Lord's plan for you better. Uh, when trials and tribulations come, like your car breaks down in the middle, middle of winter, you're like, why? You know, why, Heavenly Father, why now? You'll have a little bit more faith and trust that there's a reason. It's, it's just another test. Be patient. Be happy. Don't give up. Because you have that perspective and you've been there, you've seen other things, it helps, it helps your testimony grow, I believe. Leadership parts, though, leadership aspects, uh, learning how to manage and supervise, learning how to, to deal with, with stress, maybe not combat stress in the classroom, but other types of stress, how to help other so, uh, students cope with their problems, their stresses, is another uh, skill that you can learn in the military as well. Um, how to stay calm under fire, how to stay calm under pressure. A lot of those things are very important, I think, and skills that I, 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 I think I've brought with me from the military to help share with my students. And that's, that's not only made me a better, I think, teacher, but also a better mentor. It gives me more genuine love and care for each of my students. I, I really want to help them succeed, not just to get a good grade. I want them to succeed in life. I want them to get out there and see the world like I've done so that their eyes are open and that they become more grateful to the Lord and his plan for them. And it's, it's just, it's just such a great experience, uh, being in Rexburg, but people maybe sometimes just don't understand how unique it is here and how special place it is here. And to be grateful for that. And maybe you'll never fully understand that unless you leave, go outside the bubble and come back, right. <laughs> which I recommend doing for everybody. Right. But do come back, do come back. For sure. Yeah. Come back for sure. I, I served my mission uh, in Africa, in Mozambique, nice. and it was, like you said, one of those experiences where I left, and I got to experience something completely different than what I knew here, and uh, the culture shock really hit me, and I was like, oh my gosh, there is a whole nother world outside where I'm at right now that lives completely different, and so coming back and seeing, first off, how the Lord touches every heart in the exact same way, you know? He he really does 
you know, touch the hearts of everyone that's willing to listen. And the gospel is the same everywhere that we go. It just, there are different circumstances outside of the U.S. So coming back, it was one of those where the gospel really connects people in a way that nothing else can. So having those experiences for me, it was fantastic. Now that I, now that I'm home, I can, I think, I think a lot about my experiences on my mission. I think every return missionary does where I don't, there's not a day that goes by without me thinking about my mission, about Mozambique, about the people there and about the lives that I saw changed from the gospel. And it makes me want to be, you know, the best I can be because I showed them a higher way of life and I expected them to live that way. So I should expect myself to live in that, that same way of life. So those experiences for sure changed me as a person and they obviously change people when they come back from their missions as well. I know I'm not the, I'm not the, the only person that, that has been changed. I'm sure you're, you aren't either. A lot of people just come back completely different and changed. So would you say that that's like a, a piece of advice that you would give, I guess, young students or really anyone to, I guess, kind of progress is to leave yeah. and experience something different and come back? My daughter right now, the the one who is 18 and trying to kind of figure out what she wants to do in life, and I've really been recommending to her, uh, whether she's a young sister or or, a, or or a brother or male, to go on a mission. Uh, missions change, change your life. Not always for the best, I guess. That doesn't mean that every missionary comes back grateful and changed in the po- all the positive ways, because missions are hard. But ultimately, when you put your life in the Lord's hands like clay and let him mold you, you're going to come back better. You're going to come back changed. You're going to come back strengthened in so many different ways, ready to be married, ready to study, ready to succeed, set goals, all those things. So I recommend it for everybody. Uh, And if you can't or don't think a mission's right for you, then find another way to do that. Go and do an internship. Uh, my, My niece just went to South Korea for a school internship for six weeks. There's a lot of ways you can serve and do things like that and, and, and get out there and see the world and come back. Um, another thing I wanted to just add, I, I was thinking about you mentioned with how the military helps affect the classroom here on BYU-Idaho. The military is a lot about organization and teamwork. You have platoons, you have squads, you have battalions. You, so you're organized with your, a group. You're hardly ever alone. And I, I see a lot of students, especially in my Nutrition 150 classes because there's a lot of freshmen, they get a little tired of the idea or the word group work, which is BYU-Idaho's main, one of our main themes here, of course. And a lot of people just hate that word. They just, it's like a bad word. And and one thing that I think I try to help the students understand is it's just like you're a soldier. You never do, you'll almost never do anything alone if you're a soldier. You always have somebody on your right, your left, and on your back to help you, to guide you, support you, pick you up. And, and that's kind of the same mentality if you think about with BYU-Idaho. The Lord, the President Nelson, Nelson wanted us to be or to think like we're in the Lord's battalion, the youth battalion. It's the same concept. Those those people in your classes, those people you're on here on campus with, your left, your right, behind you and in front of you, they can be your comrades. They can be your, your soldiers in your platoon or however you want to call it, and you can support each other and help each other. But the key to doing that, one of the key things to do that is to Put your head up, get it off of your device or your phone or your whatever. Talk to people, socialize with people, and just and, and try not to stay in that little isolated bubble of comfort that you're in. And that I think it's it makes such a big difference, not only for your life but 
just for your positive a- attitude, your, your happiness. One of the reasons why I think my wife was so overwhelmed by my charm and couldn't say no is because I went right up to her, no fear, in the middle of her group of friends and just started talking to her and asking her out no matter what. And that would have never happened if I was too afraid to say hi. If I was just, now I'll sit here and look at YouTube or you got to get out there. You got to be willing to be proactive and, and take a leap of faith and, and, and good things will happen. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your stories. That was Kevin Cooper, a BYU-Idaho faculty member in the nutrition department. Thanks again for joining me and thank you for your service.